And welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast. Merry Christmas as we celebrate this Christmas Eve together. I hope it has been a very fruitful and hopefully closer walk with God advent for you. I am Ace McKay, your host, where we like to take a look at the conversations happening, especially around Advent when it comes to our podcast central page. Go to EWTN.com slash radio so you can play catch up and also catch up on the conversation happening with Poco a Poco during this Advent and through the year, we are invited to live in a relationship with the Lord through Mary, our Mother, Our Lady. We can begin with a humble yes, and that's to allow ourselves to be interrupted by her intercession and have confidence in the love and trust that she has for all of us. Poco a Poco continuing their series and helping us to answer the question of, is God really at work? We'll get to that as we join the conversation today on Catholics Coast to Coast. Poco a poco vamos a llegar. Somos peregrinos and you know that's who we are. We make our way. Hey, <laughs> I'm Father Mark Mary. Hey, I'm Father PT. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Father Innocent. I'm back. <laughs> Father Angelus here. That was a fun start. That was a fun start. We got in trouble for chit-chatting too much before we started. <laughs> the cameraman, mm. which he's never really done before. <laughs> he was like, all right, we're ready. <laughs> he's got places to be. So what Father Alexander did, which I thought was really clever for the second week, is he looked at the different saints of Advent. And I'd never really thought a bit about it like that. And that was very, I think it was just very kind of a clever way to come about it. And I am a big fan of clever. Um I'm just pushing forward. Can I help you? You're serious now. Come on, let's go. Um, (laughs) But um, so a number of things that, but what, so St. Juan Diego is one of the saints. And I think St. Juan Diego is, I think he's a great Advent saint for a couple of reasons. And last episode to catch up Father Angelus, who was absent, (laughs) an excused absence. (laughs) Um, so is we were talking about this whole like okay like it was kind of the school of Nazareth and and Advent and preparing and Advent being a time of preparation and preparing for Christmas, uh, really kind of by taking allowing our our own lives and our own rhythms and our yeah just to become more Nazareth like uh, where there's more space there's more simplicity um, a little bit more focus you know more slowing down and actually ending with like a pretty strong like hey. <laughs> Like we realize preparation for Christmas, this is a busy time of year and everything, all of your sort of past history of momentum and previous behavior is going to be like, let's, let's get moving and do a bunch of stuff. And it's like, well, what if we actually were bold enough to actually slow down and take on a more Nazareth, Nazarene sort of approach um, to the end of the year. But one of the things I think that, that I think St. Juan Diego kind of just, um, What's it called when a person has the values of something? Exemplifies. Exemplifies this. Embodies. I think it might, embodies mm-hmm. also is a better one. Um, I got nothing. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, well. Thanks for nothing. Keep living in the grace. <laughs> Keep living in the grace, baby. Yeah, stay in the grace. Stay in the grace. I was actually paying attention. I was praying. <laughs> stay in the grace. Um, he exemplifies this, I think, right? Um, a humble man, a simple man, uh, particularly com- com- relative today, like uh, poor man um unimpressive to the world probably not you know moving and shaking probably doesn't have a couple of side hustles probably isn't you know on the on the grind getting on that ig live every day to get the views (laughs) 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 um 
bro is that bro you just don't understand i don't i clearly don't um but but right this is this is this is the one who the lord chose in a particular way to be a saint to receive our lady and to begin this really profound and beautiful uh, uh, evangelical renewal um and so i just think he i think it's just but also i think he like he's indicative of this just seems to be again and again and again particularly with apparitions of our lady like the chosen person someone who's simple somebody who's humble somebody who's not significant in the world um and i just think there's i think there's just something to that and um and i think the funny thing is it's like oh man nobody really wants to be that guy like everybody wants to be that guy, but nobody really wants to be that guy. Like I kind of want to be strong and I kind of want to be important. And I kind of want to be bright and intelligent. I kind of want to be the person that people ask for help. And I want to be the people who, the person who people reach out for advice, um, all that sort of stuff. But God tends to have, I don't know, I think this is just God has a pattern. God has a pattern. So what are you guys thinking? Um, just taking off specifically from the theme of Nazareth, there's, um, there's a beautiful thing about Juan Diego where he's hidden. <clears throat> so as you're mentioning, like there's, yeah, he's not really important. Uh, he's just a regular guy in his village. And um, anyway, he's hidden. So like there's this aspect that he's just not a prominent person. But the beautiful thing about Juan Diego, he tries to hide. Um, and so there's one point in his story, right, where Our Lady comes to him and she's asking him to bring the messages to, to the bishop. And he's caring for his sick uncle. And he's like, I don't have time for this. And so he tries in a sense to hide. He goes around the other side of the mountain. Our Lady meets him there. And and I think once again, it's a beautiful aspect of like, just the Lord doesn't give up on us. Like even in those places where we try to hide, he's going to find us. Um, and, and basically just meets Juan Diego where he's at, literally on the path, but also at this place of, of, yeah, your deepest desire for your uncle's health is also my deep desire because I care for you this way because you're my son. Mm. Um, and she sees the beautiful line, like, am I not your mother? Uh, but sometimes I guess, yeah, just just making sure the balance is there. Like hiddenness means like just, just being who you are and not trying to be prominent, but meeting God exactly where you are as opposed to um, trying to hide in places maybe that aren't of God. And he still wants to meet you there, even when you try to hide, because it's uh, it's his desire that he's coming during the season to meet you specifically in the crush or in his birth. And he desires that for, for that to happen every day and just creating a space once again uh, to be with him there. And so, yeah, beautiful. I mean, the whole story is just incredible, right? Mm -hmm. So during this time of December, we we get to celebrate him and Arleo Lupe. So it's definitely worth our time just like reading the story and celebrating and but one thing, again, just going off the last week's episode of Nazareth and just Our Lady, I just, my heart just moved by the reality that Mary just wants to live in a relationship. And this whole story is just so beautiful because it's just, it's just Mary being so tender and gentle and like just being a mother, right? I think he even calls her like, I I think he even calls one day ago like my, my little son, right? And, and just again, just the relationship part of this, this is, this is what our lady wants our whole life to be, be like, this is what our lady wants our relationship with her to be like relationship with God, the father to be like, um, like she wants us, she wants to call us and, and like give us a grace to live in a new relationship like this. And Juan Diego just like was able to receive our lady after some, some fighting or some wanting to hide. Right. 
um, it's just so tender how she comes to him and how she calls him by name and how she's very aware of his his needs and his desires. She's very, very aware of what's going on in the world at the time. Um, and they just like share their lives. They share their hearts, right? And and so I just think it's so beautiful. Like this is the relationship. It's it's so real. It's mm-hmm. so tender. It's so human, right? And um, I think that's what can stir us about about Juan Diego is that this is what God desires for all of us to live in a real relationship where Jesus comes, Mary comes, the father comes and, and just allowing our hearts to be moved by it. Um, we're like, Mary's attentive to our needs and she comes to us as a mother, like my little son, like what, tell me what you need. Where else do you go? Like, I'm here for you. I hear your cry. Like, like she's just so tender. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think this Advent, Mary just wants to come and, and she wants to remind us that she loves us like that. This is just not a story. This really happened. Mm-hmm. But but this is the invitation that that Mary wants to love us all like this. And she invites us into Nazareth to experience her motherhood and her care for us. And so I think it's a it's a beautiful story, but it's it's um it it's it's supposed to be kind of this 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 icon of the, the way that Mary wants to love all of us. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add is that uh, I recently, my hermitage last month, I think, just reread the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So it was just kind of a gift to, I think it was preparation. I preached about her on the at the Postinet reception in September. And um, I was struck or just remembering the, his, his uh, yeah, he gets the mission from Our Lady and the encouragement to ask her obedience. And he goes and he's just like consistently rejected by the world. He's consistently rejected by the bishops. He can, so he's a bit of a, yeah, he's wandering a little bit. Like, well, I went, she told me to go here. And then they said, no, we're going to wait. And we know we don't trust you. And, and so he's experiencing kind of this temptation at least, but if not real, like insecurity before, like she's telling me to do this, but here I am and no one's listening, you know, or no one's, no one's opening their hearts to me or, or her for that matter. And so I could just imagine him in the midst of kind of like, desiring and looking and trying to be faithful, but just like hitting, like in the world, we kind of could hit walls or we could hit confusion or we could hit like, Hey, where is my place here? And like, he, he's so little, he just keeps going back and, and, uh, or even tries to avoid a little bit, you know, and she just pursues. And I, Father Augustino talks about, um, how like we're called to trust Mary, but in, she, she trusts him so much. Like Father, to innocent to your point, just her love, her care, her desire to kind of be in relationship with him, entrusting him this mission, and um, he's so humble, he just doesn't know what else to do than to avoid, but also to, to keep trying. And he co- and he shows up a, a third time, and um, the bishop, in a way, has a conversion. You know, in a way, has has more of an openness, and so I'm just struck, especially in Advent, where we we amidst the busyness and amidst the struggles and amidst some of that, maybe we can go to prayer and feel rejected or feel disconnected or feel a little bit like uh, where we, we don't know what to do. Like Mary's there as our mother um, to to place in us a, a deep desire uh, for her and her son, and the space and the quiet and the, and the perseverance in the midst of what she asks us to do. Um, so it's just beautiful uh, in the in the face of that to take have her look at us, have her love us and, and kind of incite this deeper trust in us. Um, which again, there wasn't much in the way of Juan Diego's heart to be able to do that well. Yeah. And there's this, there's an aspect like, I think she appears to him usually when he's on his way somewhere. Right. And so he's interrupted normally going from point A to point B and 
he could look at it as frustrating, but he's, I think, open to the interruptions. Like he engages our lady. He doesn't just like, hey, uh, I got to go. You know, um, he stops, he talks to her. And so I think especially during, I mean, life in general, but maybe during Advent, just to be open to the to God's interruptions, if you will, where he may want to speak something to you and not look at something as like just another thing I got to <laughs> deal with. But okay, like taking a moment to pause, like what are you asking of me right now? Because that's ultimately what Juan Diego did is he listened to our lady and accomplished what she asked by him asking her type of thing. And, and yeah, to allow yourself to be interrupted, but just take that pause of saying, okay, God, like, like, what are you doing here? And, and yeah, maybe I don't feel worthy to do this or I wish you picked somebody else, but it is what it is. Like you have a moment in time to, to offer to the Lord, but even more so just to, to dialogue with him about like the specific thing he wants you to do. So being open and being interrupted. I love that. Mm -hmm. Like in Advent, like Lord interrupt me, you know, or lady interrupt me. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do it in a gentle way, right? It's not like some big explosion of force, you know, Mm -hmm. but just like the gentleness of a mother interrupting us, gently leading us to to the will of the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I, everything in me, as you were saying, Lord, interrupt me, be interrupted. I wanted to just interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> Way to put on your big boy pants. <laughs> but I was like, the people of God won't get it. Um, and they'll be hurt. It'll affirm my reputation as a mean human being. Dark, remember that? that dark was, Mary. Remember that in the desert when, what was it? We we're giving, you were all like giving like a little talk from like that. And it, but you were supposed to like, Somebody else was supposed to keep time for you. And when it was done, they're supposed to, you told like them what to do. Noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one guy was giving his testimony, whatever. And the other person started doing his prompt. And Brother Colby forgot that that's how we like kept time there. And he was like, what? He was like so insulted <laughs> that this guy started to interrupt him. He's sharing his story. What are you doing? It was very, very Brother, Brother Colby, Colby. <laughs> very genuine. Also, uh, so I'm thinking one of the things about Juan Diego. So we talk about St. Juan Diego, excuse me. We talk about some of these saints being relatable because whatever they went hiking or <laughs> skiing or <laughs> oh, played a video game or something mm-hmm. like that there's like you know it's like we're like they were in a play once um i think as far <laughs> as relatable goes saint juan diego this is our guy mm-hmm. our lady so our lady appears to him a couple of times and it's gonna and because he's going this path and so he's like i don't have time for this i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm gonna go, I'm gonna go like, another path i'm gonna go yeah. another path that is surprisingly relatable i guess maybe because we all haven't had our lady appear to us but like some guys like bro i got <laughs> i gotta go man i got a place to be no no offense our lady but i'm, gonna, I'm trying to like sneak around i feel like that's pretty relatable mm-hmm. i love that yeah anyway um so i'm gonna transition what we've talked about with him is that okay for a second yeah Please. totally so since we have originally talked about advent however many times it is the, the theme that really stands out is like, what are we really talking about? What are we really talking about is just this poor world, poor human beings, poor world without, um, without a, a self-contained hope. Like we, we're in a situation and we just can't solve it and we need a savior and being in that place and a savior coming. And like, that's, this is right. Like, this is what, this is what, this is what Jesus coming into the world is, is all of Israel and just like we, we need a savior and they cry out. And I think the invitation to us as we enter into the season is just, just this, this crying out and we need, we need God to do something. And I think, I think actually with Juan Diego, this is awesome, right? Because you look at the world today and it's like, 
if you're reading the news or whatever it is, there's a lot. And again, so we we record a number of. Right now, we're quite a we're almost two months before this episode's going to come out. Maybe a month and a half. So we don't really know what's happening right now and what could be happening in five or six weeks in the world. We don't really know, yeah. right? So just to keep that in mind. But there's a lot of things out there that are like discouraging yeah. and and really kind of uh, could be quite scary. Um, and so in a real way, like we're at this place like, Lord, we need you to come. We need you to come, right? And one of the things that I think we talk about a little bit with um, the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe in St. Juan Diego that I want to flesh out a little bit, right? Is that this time uh, when it's in the... 15, 15 you, got, you got a number? You got a number? I got a number. 31? Uh, 15, 31. 15, 31, Ooh, right? What else was happening around this time frame in the world? Anything? Anything? Uh, Europe? Protestant Reformation. Protestant Reformation. And the Capuchin, Reno, Capuchin Renewal. And the Capuchin Renewal. Exactly. That's kind of cool. I mean, I'm just saying there's... It's all yeah, well, when, you know, here we are. Here we are. Uh, when the world <laughs> falls apart. We hey, here we are. Just kidding. Um, right. And so imagine... So the Protestant Reformation happening. And imagine the headlines as bishop and royalty after royalty is like, I'm done with you Catholicism. We're out of here and we're taking everybody with us. Right. As far as like an experience of like oh no like what is happening this this was like a pretty significant time in the world and um just with all of the conflict and all that was happening it was just like it would have been a very very kind of intense and scary and discouraging time but little did all of the the kings and the royalty and the whoever and the bishops and the whatnot in europe like one of the what they didn't know is they're like crying out to god like come do something is that you know across the Atlantic Ocean in this little sort of little kind of quiet village in in, in Mexico. We know it's Mexico, right? There's this little guy named St. Juan Diego who was receiving visitations from Our Lady. And over time, uh, you know, with the tilma and the evangel- evangelization, which sort of flowed from, from her appearance there, that God would respond by having another like 10 million people, right? Like baptized and coming <laughs> totally, to the church. Totally. Right. And so you're they're over there and they're all looking at this sort of chaos and asking for God for a response. And over here in this quiet little small hidden place and hidden man, um, through this sort of humble, you know, virgin, our lady of Guadalupe, like God was responding. And I think that's just awesome. like, a, like an invitation to trust and confidence. Like, so here mm-hmm. we are when we're looking at what's going on in the world and all these sort of conflicts and the could be in the church or whatever it is that's sort of uh, tempting you to sort of frustration or discouragement or confusion and just, and it's like, like, let's cry out to God and let's trust. Let's just trust because maybe, maybe in, in Swaziland. Swaziland, that's my favorite place. I've been there. Maybe in Swaziland, (laughs) some, some, some villager there, some person there is just like some guy who's like running a shop. He's on his way to work. Where's that again? And Our Lady, it's it's in it's in the South of Africa. It's somewhat close to South <laughs> Africa. When I was at South Africa, we drove to it. Um, some guy working at the game park, just taking care of the lines, and then all of a sudden, Our Lady starts appearing to him, and like something's happening, you know. So all I want to say is this: like, there's this idea of like, okay, like, um, nobody again, nobody at his time in the whatever the 1530s was 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 there could have been a time for a lot of discouragement and like, what is happening? God, where are you? And God was responding, but it was a hit. It was a small place in a hidden way. 
mm-hmm. but he was responding. And I think that for me is just a bit of an encouragement to sort of hope and confidence. Absolutely. And the thing that, that just moves my heart, and, and again, it's 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 kind of obvious, but I think it's worth saying, is that the uniqueness of Our Lady Guadalupe and the question, or excuse me, the the answer of Our Lady during that time is the fact that Our Lady, the, the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mary coming to Juan Diego at that time, um, Jesus comes with her. Right, and that's a unique part of our lady, like our, like the apparitions of our lady, right? And so that's why we we celebrate this during Advent. It's it, obviously the timing all works out, but but that's why we hold our Lady Guadalupe before us because because Mary comes uh, pregnant with 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 Jesus, and and again, it's very clear to Juan Juan Diego Juan. <laughs> it's very clear to Saint Juan Diego. <laughs> Um, it's very clear, like what's happening. They, they know that this is our lady. They know that the incarnations, like this is an expression of the incarnation. They know that it's woman with child. Um, and so when, when they get evangelized and they start reading the gospels, they, they, it's, they're overwhelmed even more that our lady would come with Jesus. Right. And so it's not, it's, it's beautiful because there's just so much power here. In the vision itself, there's just so much power that, like, God's answer is always like Emmanuel. It's always the same thing. Our Lady comes with Jesus. Um, so, like, again, in, in the obscurity and the, and the humility um, and, and the surprise, um, like, God always has the same answer. Um, the craziness of what's going on in Europe, God come, or, you know, God God sends Our Lady pregnant with with His Son um, again to. Um, again, to to express the only answer, which is with the, which is Jesus become man, Jesus come close to us, right? So I just think that's just worth saying. Like this, that's the power. It's Our Lady and Jesus, um, and it's always the same answer. It's Emmanuel. Yeah. Um, and not that you were saying this, but it's not like a, a calculus of oh, cool. There's people falling away in Europe. I'm just going to gain people here in uh, in America in the Americas. Um, because that's how we think, but but God is once again after hearts. Because this also, uh, the tilma, was something that was was huge for the people here in Central America, and so like more people were converted, just not at this time, but a long time after. And also too, I think it meant something for people in Europe because this is also like revelation, right? Um, a lady clothed with the sun and the moon at her feet, and uh, and it's beautiful because all of this comes about just through once again this humble man and his this yes. Just simple yes. And it's interesting because, right, the, the salvation of the world comes through a lady, a humble lady, and her yes to something once again at the time may not have been straightforward, meaning, oh, so the Holy Spirit's going to come, overshadow me, and allow me to conceive the Son of God. Okay, yes. Juan Diego, hey, you're going to go pick these roses? Um, it's December, but you're good. You got this. Go pick roses, bring them to the Tilma, to the bishop who said no to you two other times, and he'll say yes. Okay. You know, like once again, so I think it's just beautiful to see just through one yes, um, and a yes given over and over again, just how just beautiful things happen. And of course it's given with God's permission, but even more so it's it's caught up once again with this idea of like whatever happened, Lord, it's yours. Um, and I desire just to be in relationship with you. But once again, the Lord's desire is after a particular heart. And if that heart is on fire instead of flame in the right way that it should, St. Catherine of Siena, like the world will be set ablaze. And so just to, to once again, I guess the encouragement is there for us where um, 
yeah, there are things happening in the world and we don't know how it's going to unfold. And just to focus once again of, of my small part of my small yes, and maybe it won't eventually, like it won't immediately change things, but at least the way the Lord's calling me to, uh, to take a moment to take time to be with him in this place that, that something beautiful can happen, that something uh, quite, quite possibly world-changing can happen, but it begins with a yes and a humble yes. Just a little bit, uh, yeah, kind of permission to say something bold here. Um, just thinking about Advent, the, the gift of, um, and, and Juan Diego, the, there's not, there's not like a, a, a meeting after our lady Guadalupe and there's not, then there's just like gathering of all the, the smart people and like, let's figure out a program to make all this work, you know? And so the response of our lady Guadalupe was not like a program, a strategic plan, something that we can like a formula to like, let's make this happen. It's Juan Diego who said, you need to build a church. And a church is a sign of like relationship and worship and being faithful to God, right? <clears throat> and so I think Advent interrupts us every year to to consider just the reality of the experience of our the way we follow God, right? Is it is it like I mean even my own work, my own ministry? Like I got like I got to crack the code so we can get more vocations. Or I got to crack that. What kind of program could help guys the most heal and grow? You know, you're always tempted to be like, okay, like when we take stuff into our own hands, we have this grace given and this anointing given and this experience of God given. And now how can we make it um, so it can, in a way, kind of be ours and like I can I can spread this around, right? So I'm just really moved by that. Like the the response is in Advent is not a program. It's it's Emmanuel, like Father Nassim said, right? Um, and I think that's good and it's challenging to consider um, the simplicity of one ego and the simplicity of Our Lady and the simplicity of their call. And why it was so fruitful is because people got to come and visit her and she brought conversion, she brought healing, she brought, and then they left and they left changed. And that's, I mean, and that's the gospel, you know, that's the whole point. So anyway, to all my brothers and sisters out there, programs, strategic plans, formulas, while good, um, the, the model that, that Jesus adapts is this. Um, and I think it should challenge us, you know, and I think that's okay. But just to, to be to be mindful of that and admin. So what do I do? Isn't that isn't that always that we talk about the point? So what do we like, do with this? Yeah, 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 yeah. How can we how can we make I it get into it. something? I get it. It's I like, do too. But it's like there's something about yeah. Cause I think right, like you're even the um not just okay, how are we all gonna get together and have this program to like save the world or whatever it is, but also like we do that for ourselves. Okay, what's what am I'm, I'm gonna get my system in place. Okay, here's what I'm gonna start doing and now I'm gonna like really get after it. When it has to it has to always be first and foremost just God's election, God's timing. And I think the invitation of like what well, Advent, right? Like what what does um as far as like I think Advent sort of gives like what do you like what when the world's falling apart, like what do we do? We cry out like Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like we just in hope and in confidence and in waiting we 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 cry out to him, right? Mm-hmm. What do you got? Uh, I was just going to throw something out, just a little um, reflection from retreat. Like retreat's an awesome time because it's like you're supposed to pray a certain amount every day, but at some point the it becomes less about the prayer times and more about the being with. So you can be with Jesus anywhere. And you can, it's not like, oh, I had nice prayer experiences, but my whole uh-huh. experience of being away, disconnected from my daily life is to learn that every moment I can be with him. Right, and that's, I think that's a gift of Advent. It's just a reminder, again, it's not about, hey, did you get your prayer time in today? But are you open to Emmanuel? Are you open to the God of the universe wanting to come and be with you? 
you know, and, and Juan Diego is just like, his whole life was changed when her lady, I mean, he was already a, a faithful, humble follower of the Lord, but like she wanted to come and be with him, you know, and not just to be like, Hey, you need to change your prayer habits. Like, no, I'm, she broke into his life. And then all of a sudden it's like, I could be anywhere praying. I could be anywhere with our lady. I can be anywhere with our Lord, you know? And so that's the, the, a culture shift or a vision shift of my experience of God that Adam does such a, is such a gift for He's like, am I actually living in this space of relationship or is it just like, oh yeah, at this particular point, when I get up in the morning, that's my time I'm with the Lord. And then the rest of the day I'm disconnected from him. Right. Um, and we talk about that a lot, but Advent's a perfect time for that. My, is my, what's my vision or my experience of being with him? Um, is it, and is it quite limited? But Juan Diego's like his whole life opened up when Our Lady pursued him, you know? About Our Lady Guadalupe, because like she is, like she brings Emmanuel, right? And God with us. And, and even to like people to this day, there's a place they can go to. Obviously church is, is one thing, but like going to, to Mexico city, seeing the Tilma and having this powerful experience, like, like he's still with us in that way. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like in this, with this Tilma of Our Lady Guadalupe and uh, which is part of the miracle, right? That this Tilma still exists and the colors on it. And there's been scientific studies done. And um, it's just beautiful that, that once again, like he's with us and, and to your point, Father Angelus, that like he always wants to be with us. Like, yeah, Advent isn't just a time where where Emmanuel wants to be Emmanuel. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, once this is New Year, okay, I'm good. You're, good luck with your resolutions. I'm out of here. Uh, no, like he always wants to be with us, and he just desires for us to take notice of him, to be with him in those moments and times. And so, maybe the cry is Mar- Maranatha, 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 Maranatha. I mean, uh, you know, caramel, caramel. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's Maranatha um constantly in our hearts you know like just whenever something's happens like come lord jesus come be with me uh in these in these times not just advent although we do champion that during advent but but yeah we do maybe it's maranatha 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 yeah i'm, I'm, gonna I'm go thinking ahead. i'm gonna go ahead and add my closing comment as you Good. guys Good have that. <laughs> <laughs> when i went to visit our lady a couple years ago a few years ago now um, I was just struck by, I, we were staying with a group of nuns and when we, uh, the, the priest and I, uh, a CFR priest and I were going to, to see her, the, uh, the sisters were like, tell, tell our lady, we say hello. And there's just a real sense that she's like, just very much alive, right? It's not just like an image. It's not just like this thing like, oh, okay, great. Like, oh, you guys go see the image. No, tell our lady, we say hello. So I think, again, it's just our lady is alive. She, she's, Jesus is, is with her, right? And she comes to us at this Advent. And I think Juan Diego wants to, I think he was a hermit in the Basilica for like the remainder of his life, reminding people that she is there and she is alive in our hearts. She's alive in the church, right? So it's just really beautiful that this Advent, like my prayer for people is that they experience our lady alive. They experience Jesus, Emmanuel, alive. Um, we're going to talk about Joseph next next episode right like the saints are more real to us than like us sitting here right um so that that could just also be another grace that that she's she's here she wants to she wants to bring jesus to you i right, closing comment ready to go um when i was reading the first recorded miracle other than the tilma was this like festival they were at not sh- shortly after they had had um, approved and built a little chapel there. There was like people all around, they were in boats and, and someone would accidentally shot a bow and arrow and it hit, hit a guy in the, in the throat. Mm-hmm. And, <clears> throat> and so they took him with the arrow in his throat before the Tilma 
and it, it healed. Mm-hmm. Like they pulled out the they pulled out the arrow and it healed. And I, I was struck. I mean, it's kind of a funny story, but I, <laughs> it I was, shouldn't be. Funny. I, yeah, I'm sorry. But I was struck by that because they were just aggressively confident that mm-hmm. oh she'll she'll fix it. They literally put him before the image. But that's like, hey mom, I know. Come on, man. <laughs> this is a bit of a tragic accident. A bit of a tragic accident. Like we're all supposed to be celebrating here, and they literally they literally saw the whole the whole close up. Wow. So, I mean, again, like we just got to like expand our experience. Like she aggressively, and, but tenderly <laughs> wants to provide, like, who are you going to lay before her this Advent? Mm. Your own heart mainly, mm. but like who she, she wants to help your, your children who have fallen away, your addiction, your struggle, your, your cancer, your difficulty, your despair, your sorrow, just lay that before her. And it mm. not for the sake of do something for me, but for the sake of, I need you to be my mother. Mm-hmm. That's what Juan Diego just over and over again. I just, just be my mother. Like, I just want you to love me mm-hmm. and, and bring your son to me, you mm-hmm. know? So anyway, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what about the guy who shot like, my bad. Because <laughs> he was, <laughs> anyway, they said he was kind of messing around. Like, and all of a sudden the air shoots across. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Sorry. You guys are just, go ahead, call us insensitive. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. Heartless. We're just bringing that. We're just trying to lighten that up. Um, a bit. On that our, a, that was a, the that Sisters was a, of Life on our new podcast would never laugh about something <laughs> like this. I think there's something to this, though. Um, right. I, for me, one of the words of this is just like God. Like, right? God doesn't see as as we see. And he doesn't judge as we judge, and and He just sees Saint Juan Diego differently than sort of if you will we would on paper and he sees us differently than maybe we see ourselves and he sees the world events differently and we just got to trust him and have confidence and uh you know a lot of us have spiritually maybe shot ourselves in the neck with a bow and arrow <laughs> you know proverbially and i think that's a great word just gotta come, come to come to graces instantly, to our lady. Closed, up. instantly closed up mm-hmm. yeah and so there's just again a word of Juan Diego, a word of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think the word of Advent is just where there there's where we experience like there might be, not be hope. There is hope, and we just have to keep crying out to Jesus and asking Our Lady uh, to be with us. And again, the words spoken to Juan Diego are spoken to us. Father Pierre Toussaint, Father Mark Mary, would you be so kind as to close us in prayer? Of course, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord God, we give you thanks. We ask in particular the intercession of Our Lady to be strong upon us during this time of, of Advent and, and our whole lives that we may be gathered in her tilma um, and presented to you as roses before your feet. We give you thanks, Lord, just once again for the goodness uh, and the peace and security that you desire for us to have. And we ask this all through intercession of Our Lady Guadalupe and St. Juan Diego. And we ask this to Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Despite the discouragements in various parts of the world, that is the truth that is in the humblest places. God is working, and we are always invited to keep crying out to Him. The continuation of that Advent series is with Poco a Poco, available on Podcast Central at EWTN.com slash radio. I am Ace Okay, and when Catholics Coast to Coast returns, Pints with Aquinas is going to help us through the holidays as we are looking to be more charitable. But should we truly be giving to the poor? We'll get to that conversation coming up next on Catholics Coast to Coast. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN Radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central. 
It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Hello, my name is Father Gregory Pine, and I'm a Dominican friar of the province of St. Joseph, and I teach at the Dominican House of Studies, and I work as an assistant director for the Thomistic Institute, and this is Pines with Aquinas. I suspect that all of us have had the experience of walking through a town or a city and being approached and asked for money uh, or for something else, and then you have to make a decision. Okay, so maybe you do the same thing every time, like you give $5 or you give a granola bar or whatever. Or maybe it's circumstance dependent, like, you know, if the person has, has an iPhone 15, then I will not give anything. But if the person doesn't have an iPhone 15, then I will give something. Um, I have known people who act in this way. Uh, or it might be that you're just totally bewildered by the experience and you're like, ah, and then you act out of haste or embarrassment or whatever else. So this video is for you because it's worthwhile to think about the virtues which inform our practice and then the different ways in which we are responsible or encouraged to go beyond our ordinary responsibility. And then ultimately, you know, like we want to grow in sanctity and this is an integral feature of that transformation. So let's think about it together. Here we go. All right. So let's start first by talking about mercy, because mercy is the virtue which is at work here uh, with the backing of charity, but we'll talk first about mercy. Uh, so mercy is one of these cool things where it's a divine attribute, which is to say God is merciful, and a human virtue, which is to say we can be merciful, should we so choose. Um, so it has different expressions in God and in man. We'll talk about the expression it takes in man. So there are two features to mercy. So first, one perceives the misery of another, and it cuts him to the quick. And he says, oh, that's brutal, right? Uh, so the word for mercy in Latin, misericordia, you've probably heard this before, a little Latin word trick, just means miserable of heart. So the first kind of feature, first dimension is pity in effect. So you, from a kind of superior position, see the other in a kind of inferior position in the midst of their, you know, difficulty, and you feel sad. But then there's a second feature or a second dimension whereby from your position of relative superiority, that doesn't mean that you're like a better human being. It just might mean that you're not experiencing this misery at present and you have the resources to help. So the second feature or dimension of mercy is that you would use those resources to help. So you would exercise power to help alleviate the misery that the other is experiencing at present. All right, so these dimensions are at work in human mercy. The first dimension isn't in divine mercy because God doesn't have emotions um, and God doesn't change, uh, but we're not going to let that trouble us for the present. Okay, so mercy is expressed in certain deeds, okay, which you may have heard called alms deeds in oldie time speech, which you've probably heard described as spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Uh, that'd be more normal. <laughs> so we'll gloss over the spiritual works of mercy because we're going to talk about the corporal works of mercy here, and I don't want this to be too long. Um, so you've heard them in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses like 31 through 46. Check my math there. Um, where the Lord separates the sheep and the goats. And the standard upon which they are judged is the corporal works of mercy. And so he lists, you know, feeding the hungry, and giving drink to the thirsty, and clothing the naked, and, you know, welcoming the stranger, and visiting the ill, and those who are in prison. 
and then the tradition adds burying the dead. So you have seven, seven corporal and seven spiritual. And like I said, mercy here is is backed by charity. So charity is just the love of God poured into our hearts. Okay, so it's God's own love with which we are then blessed to love, and we love both God and neighbor. Not as like separate categories or separate things, um, but insofar as like we love God and we love our neighbor in God and we love our neighbor unto God. So by that I mean like when you love God, you love everything that God loves. Like when you love a person a lot, you take up his or her interests and you follow his or her pursuits, etc. So so too with God. When you love God, you love all that God loves, and that would include our neighbors. Uh, but you also love our neighbor. We also love our neighbor unto God, in the sense that, like, you love your neighbor. You come before your neighbor. You see him. You know him. You love him, and you conduct him by that love unto God, who is the highest good, who is the ultimate end, who is most beloved friend. So charity is a virtue which issues in you know various acts like joy, like peace, and like mercy, which is itself a virtue. Okay. Um, so when we talk about charity, it's it's something that's required of us, right? So it's a matter of precept or a matter of command. It's not an optional feature of Christianity. It's just Christianity. Uh, so like when our Lord is asked by a scholar of the law, what are the greatest commandment or what is the greatest commandment? He responds with uh, Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So on this rests the whole of the law and the prophets. Okay, so what we're talking about here is mercy as an expression of charity, which was required of us by command or by precept. So we're responsible for loving God and loving our neighbor in God and unto God. All right. So then, you know, how, how, how should I comport myself when it comes to those who approach me and ask for money? Well, like we said, love of neighbor is a matter of precept. All right. So it's an expression of love of God. Uh, it's also meant to end or to end up in the love of God. But it's also called for by the embodied logic of love. Okay, so if I say I love God but don't love my neighbor, then I'm a liar and the truth is not in me, says the first letter of John. Um, so love, if it's true love, it will come to full embodied expression. All right, so we typically identify two features at work in love, benevolence, which is willing the good, and beneficence which is doing the good. And it's not like benevolence is enough, and if you have extra time, then beneficence will do. Uh, no. On account of the fact that we're body-soul composites, right? We're just one thing, body and soul. Then love is always going to take on body-soul dimensions, right? It's always going to have a spiritual and a corporal element. So this is just how love works itself out in human life. All right? So we don't just wish the good to another. We also, we also bring it about. <laughs> And this is, this is of necessity for salvation. So I've quoted this line before, and I love this line. I go back to it with some frequency. But uh, Archbishop Charles Chaput is quoted as saying, uh, you know, God has given the rich to the poor to supply for their, that is the poor's, needs. God has given the poor to the rich to keep them, that is the rich, from going to hell. <laughs> okay, so um, what then are we responsible for when it concerns those who ask us for money? Well, St. Thomas actually, he poses this question, and he answers it in very sober fashion. He says, you're responsible for giving your excess or your superfluum, in his cool Latin language, right? Uh, for giving what goes beyond your need, right? Uh, once you've taken care of yourself, 
and those who are dependent upon you. Now, that introduces the question of like, how much did I save for their college education and things like that? Okay, we're not going to get into those weeds. That's further conversation so we can follow up. Uh, but you're responsible for giving from your excess, your super, superfluities, your superfluum, once you've taken care of yourself and of your dependents. And he'll say, okay, so that's from your side of things, but then on the other side of things, it's necessary that the other have some genuine need, okay? So on your side, superfluity, that, that word is so hard for me to say. Moving on, Gregory. And on the other side, genuine need, okay? So here's the thing too, you're not bound by every need, all right? You're bound by the need of those that are closest to you, the lows, those who present themselves to you, those for whom you are in some way, shape, or form responsible, whether because they pertain to your community or they pertain to their, your church or they live on your block or whatever else, okay? So this then is a matter of precept. This is required of us. We have to give what is extra, all right? What is superfluous, Woo! I did it. And we have to tend to their need, okay? Now, the things that go beyond that, they don't fall under precept. They fall under counsel, which is to say um, they're not necessary, strictly speaking, for our salvation, but they can help promote or advance our salvation. They can facilitate our salvation. So like an example of the differentiation between precept and counsel would be, you know, love, you're, you know, you're required to love by precept. Counsel would be like the evangelical counsels, you know, the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience that religious people make. They don't have to make those things, but they do those so that they can progress in charity. Okay. So St. Thomas will add that it's probably not smart to give out of what you need to live. Okay. So this would be like going beyond superfluity and getting into necessity because in a certain sense that would be to kind of kill yourself um now that's dramatic to put it in those terms but you get where i'm going okay now he'll he'll admit the possibility that something like that might happen right or that you might do so heroically like if you pertain to a body politic or to a church and there's somebody of greater importance not in that they have a greater human dignity than you but that they occupy a status or they exercise a role which pertains more immediately and urgently to the common good you might give of your necessity so as to promote the good of that particular individual as a way by which to promote the common good of the whole polity or of the whole church okay and there's also a sense in which like you know there can be moments of evangelical madness i think here of some of the stories of the early franciscans one that i love and this might be apocryphal so check me if i'm wrong but there was a particular friar, one of the early brethren, who was known for giving all of his possessions away and doing so gleefully, joyfully. Um, and at one point, he was charged with the care of the convent to which he was assigned. And the other brothers left, whether to beg or to preach, I forget. And they're like, please, don't give everything away. And he's like, <laughs> so they came back and he had given everything away. You know, all the furnishings, right, all their possessions. And he was seated in the middle of the floor, naked. <laughs> Right, so is that required of you by precept? No. Is it kind of fun by way of counsel? I mean, I don't know. In certain circumstances, it might be imprudent. But if like Franciscan perfect joy isn't bridging on imprudence, it's not Franciscan perfect joy. It's just, it's just that awesome. I have great respect for it. Um, so I think that there can be a kind of evangelical madness which informs uh, the love of those who dispossess themselves in radical fashion. And you think here, for instance, of St. Francis of Assisi, who dispossessed himself of everything of his fathers in the you know, sight of God and men uh, when he first endeavored to live this evangelical life. 
Okay, so um, yeah, you 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 can also. Saint Thomas draws this cool distinction between what you need to live and what you need to live well. All right, so there's certain things he says that like are 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 good for your state, right, or for your office. Uh, they're part of the dignity of your state or office, and you need to be able to have X, Y, and Z things in order to live your state or office well. And he says, yeah, I mean, probably good to give these things away in certain cases. Like when you enter a religious life, give them all away. Or when you can easily recover the goods that you give, give them all away. Or in extreme need of a, you know, whether it be a private person or the common good, yeah, go for it, give them all away. Um, so here, you know, he's thinking of his medieval world, and he's thinking about those who occupy states or offices, which require the possession and the disposition of, of worldly goods, of temporal goods, because they're required to provide for a variety of, you know, people in their court, perhaps, or, um, or otherwise. And so he's thinking in those terms. And so here, it just helps us to suss out further the distinction between kind of precept and counsel, and that what we're required to do, and then what we can do, what we might be called to do. But I think it's genuinely a call, all right? I think it's genuinely a call. So we shouldn't just assume that God will support us in our need, and we should give away all of our possessions at the slightest provocation, because it could be a way of actually tempting God, right? Of not taking sufficient responsibility in prudence for our own temporal care, right? With an eye to our eternal salvation, uh, which God wants us to do because he's given us a mind with which to know and a heart with which to love. And he wants us to progress in our use of both. All right. So uh, we can't just hide behind um, a kind of recklessness, uh, which is in fact an empty headedness. Okay. So, but I do think that these instances of evangelical madness are a good check on a kind of overly scrupulous worldly prudence, which doesn't look towards heaven and doesn't have an eye towards kind of God's thoughts on the matter, which we need to have always before us. So St. Thomas will ask some further questions when it comes to alms deeds, and they help us to think about these issues still yet more. So he'll say, for instance, okay, like, I mean, if the thing that you're about to give away is something that you stole, you can't give it away. You have to make restitution first because it belongs to somebody else. Or if, you know, like the money that you're going to give away, you actually got by ill means or unsavory means. He talks about prostitution, but like, let's say that you have a business where you sell pirated, I don't know, movies and like, like you're going to give that away. Um, yeah, okay, go for it, right? Because in that case, it's really hard to make restitution. Maybe you've tried to make restitution by giving an appropriate amount of money to a charity, but there's still so much that you have. Okay, yeah, give it away. That could be a good way to do it because there's not a clear person to whom the money ought to be restored. Um, or like, you know, if, if you're in charge of somebody else's possessions or somebody else's currency, somebody else's money, you can't give that because it's not yours. So St. Thomas is just asking these kind of occasional questions to further clarify what it is for which we're responsible um, and, and how to go about it. And he says in the end, you know, be abundant in your generosity. Spread the love to many people because you don't want to just like make it such that you were once rich and now like there's one other person who was formerly poor who is now rich. No, you want to tend to the need of those whom you can serve from your superfluity. Wow, terrible. All right. Um, so then concretely speaking, you know, what do you, what do you do with a poor person? I think there are a variety of things that you can do as genuine expressions of a prudent mercy in love right? So you might give $5 to the person. You might just have a, a stockage of $5 bills that you, you know, like set aside at the beginning of the month. Maybe you have 10 of them from the beginning of the month and then 
the first 10 people who ask you, you give them a $5 bill. And then the remainder, you say, I have exhausted my store for the month, but I will restock at the beginning and I'll be on the lookout for you. Or you might get, you know, food, you know, you might get cliff bars or granola bars and say like, I typically don't give money, but does this help you in any way, shape or form? What I do is I have a little bit of money at my disposition each month. And when people ask me, I'll say, I don't, yeah, I, I can't give money. Um, but, uh, I'll buy you something, you know, with a credit card at the convenience store. And I do up to $10 and I can usually do that a couple of times a month. Um, yeah, but, but like in all of these settings, it's not just transactional. Okay. Uh, it's also an opportunity to humanize the situation because like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, but also like clothing the naked, welcoming the stranger. I mean, these things are, are humanizing acts, right? So you're looking to know the person's name, to greet them by name, maybe to have a conversation, maybe to engage beyond that. All right. Now you're not going to be able to at every opportunity. Sometimes you got to get to a meeting. Uh, but I think that if the determining factor as to whether or not we give or don't is haste or embarrassment or the fact that we have AirPods in and we just don't care to take them out, it's not good, you know, uh, because I think that Christ calls us to deeper relationship with him, right? And with all those who are in him and unto him. So, yeah, we, we're trying to devise means given what is commanded and given what is counseled. So as best to seek the face of God, uh, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, such that all these things might be added to us besides, and that we could ultimately love well, uh, because, yeah, in the evening of life, we will be judged on love alone, says St. John of the Cross. Okay, that is what I wanted to share. So I hope that is helpful to you um, as I move around in my chair and cause my autofocus to freak out. Um, but this is Pines with Aquinas. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the channel, push the bell, and get sweet email updates when other things else, when other other things else, when other things come out. Um, I also contribute to a podcast called God's Planning with four of the Dominican friars, uh, which I think is pretty darn good. Um, so you can check that out for all kinds of interesting 30-minute conversations on Thursdays and guest episodes and some special Lexio Divina episodes in Advent. And I wrote a book. It's called Prudence. Choose confidently. Live boldly. It's all about practical wisdom. So it's about thinking through things and making decisions and trying to do so with a modicum of certainty and confidence. So helpful for this theme and many others besides. Um, so yeah, I look forward to future conversations. Know of my prayers for you. Please pray for me. And uh, we'll chat again on Pints with Aquinas. Helping to make sense of our mindset when it comes to giving charitably during the holidays. That's Pints with Aquinas. You want to hear the full conversation or ones you might have missed this year, visit our Podcast Central page at EWTN.com slash radio. And that way you can catch up and get ready for 2024. I'm H. McCain. That's going to wrap things up for this week. I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. Remember to let God define who you are. And I'll see you again on Catholics Coast to Coast. Coast.